Good morning. morning. It is good to be with you all this morning. I am um, just blessed uh, by the worship this morning. Can we just give them a hand the way God uses them? It's good to see you all. I'm glad you all made it out. If you want to grab your Bibles, um, I understand that that may be an aging request, um, but we all have Bibles in one form or another, amen? Um, And so we'll stick with requesting that each week. Um, I hope you all are studying it, uh, that you're in it. Uh, As my brother prayed earlier and talked about, there's a lot of stuff going on out there, a lot of things being taught. Um, And so you ought to know uh, God's word for yourself. Um, We just heard two sermons on creation, and if you're digging in and you have questions, I encourage you to get with some friends, uh, get with your um, small group, or whatever that may be, your family, or even your own Bible study, um, because it's a good thing to do, so that you know this word, uh, and that you have an answer for the hope that you have in Jesus Christ. Um, This church believes in some core tenets of the Bible, and uh, when it comes to Uh, We just heard two uh, messages on creation, and uh, we believe in some core tenets, and, you know, we believe that the Bible is infallible, Um, uh, and so what it says happened, happened. Uh, We believe the Bible, when it says, in the beginning, God, that means that he was before, and he always will be. We believe that the, the earth was formless until he made it. We believe that he made man and woman, and that he breathed into Adam's uh, nostrils and uh, took uh, Eve from his rib. Those are the core things that we believe. We believe that he brought everything into order on this earth. And we believe that he made it good. Amen. So that those are the things that uh, we've been talking about in that creation series. Um, But everything else, and hear me clearly, outside of the core tenets of scripture are considered non-essentials. Called it non-essential. That means, for instance, when it comes to the question of Jesus coming back, whether you believe one sister believes he's coming back before the millennium and someone believes he's coming back after, we know from Revelations 22 that he's coming back. And we don't know the hour or the time, right? So what's my point? Uh, We can debate, we can study, we can discuss, but no matter what side you fall on, we will not divide over non-essentials. Amen. We'll remain to have unity in the faith. All right. We are in today, um, 1 Timothy chapter 6. And we're going to be reading verses 3 through 10. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus... We ask, Lord, that you go before us today, God. You've already prepared this place. You've prepared this sermon. You've prepared my mind. You've prepared your people. And now we pray that you would just do what only divinity can do in our lives and through your word, Father. In the name of Jesus Christ, your son, we pray. Amen. 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 It says, if anyone teaches false doctrines and does not agree to the sound instruction of the Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching... He is conceited and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions, and constant friction between men of corrupt mind 
who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge man into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and have pierced themselves with many griefs. We are in uh, part two of our message entitled Cravings. Cravings. And uh, if you look at this passage and think about what we talked about last week, um, here's a quick recap is we talked about association, we talked about call to action, and we talked about repetition. Uh, association meaning that we talked about commercials and how sometimes you see an image, right? And that's association. So you see an image. And I was talking about how the Federal Trade Commission uh, talks about how we get trapped by those, those commercials. And so you see an image and, and you want to put all your affections towards that image. We talked about a call to action in which the reason why it's there is they're, they're showing us that, uh, hey, there's something that we want you to do after you get done watching uh, this commercial. And then we talked about repetition. If you notice that sometimes anything that happens repetitively in your life, uh, you, people tend to believe if they see it enough. But that's not necessarily true, but sometimes, and the advertisers know that, to keep on repetitively telling you that the iPhone is better than the Android, right? And you probably have maybe one or two people in here that would disagree with that um, for you Android users. But uh, for those who use the iPhone, we, we, we think, oh yeah, that, that's true. Right? It's a repetitive message. Um, we, I said that godliness with contentment is great gain right after out of verse six, and that the two are inseparable, right? So you can't be godly and not be content. And you can't be content without being godly. And then we also say that God has what you really want. So some of us are searching for meaning um, through career and money and degrees and houses and cars, uh, and we'll expand on that some today. And then the last thing we said is let's be grateful for what we do have. And we said that gratitude turns what you have into enough. Now this morning, we're going to be reading verses 9 and 10. So we, uh, we read 3 through 10 for context, and then we read um, verses 6 through 8 um, last week, and we're going to do 9 and 10 today. So Paul is speaking these words that we just read to those who want to get rich, uh, people who are planning to get rich. If you meet people, if you ever talk with people, you know that uh, if you talk to them long enough, you can see, oh, the, the plan is to get rich. The plan is to be uh, wealthy. And this is not what he's saying here. There's no condemnation for those who are wealthy. Let's get that out of the way. That's not what he's saying. Being wealthy can be good. If you worked for it, enjoy it. Be wise with it. Save it. Don't spend more than you can make. Be generous, ready to share. What? Storing up treasure for yourself as a good foundation, right? We just read that for the future. But be content. 
with what you have. Now, for those who have this mindset that being wealthy is, is terrible, um, it's sinful, let's nip that really quick. It's not. Just like alcohol is not terrible or sinful. Don't let anyone look at you funny when you go out to, to order a beer or you want a glass of wine and you're out, right? As Christians, sometimes there's some Christians who are out there who are saying, oh, you, sh- you shouldn't drink and you shouldn't. That's not what the Bible said. The Bible says don't drink and get drunk. So you're not there to get drunk. And then also we have to be responsible with it, right? You're not to drink and to drive. We all know that. Um, If we look at Romans 14, it tells us um, don't eat or drink anything that would make your brother or sister stumble, right? So we have to be responsible, but yet it's okay. There's nothing in the Bible that says that. So, So you know that if someone goes to um, AA or Celebrate Recovery and you go out to lunch with them, you might have to think twice about that, right? But you can be a Christian and drink alcohol. Don't get drunk, don't drink and drive, enjoy yourself, be safe, right? And the same goes if you're wealthy. Now today it's hard to tell what wealth is, right? Because it's different for everyone. For someone, for one person, it's a, it's a paid for home. For others, it's having X amount of dollars in the bank. And, and for another, it's not owning the house, but owning the company that made the house, right? And you see how, where this could go, right? This is where we have to be careful with contentment. Um, I didn't have them put up this verse, but I'm thinking about Proverbs 23, 4. Do not wear yourselves out to get rich, it says. Do not wear yourself out. There is some of us who are wearing yourselves out, trying to get the next dollar, trying to get the next check, trying to get the next deal. Now, if that's your job, praise God. If that you work for a company and that's your job is to get the next deal, to get the, then praise God for that. But when you're doing it, so that you can have financial gain, that becomes an issue. Um, I love Ecclesiastes um, 5.11. It says, as goods increase, so do those who consume them. And what benefit are they to the owners except to feast their eyes on them? Right? You know, that, that car in the garage that you never drive, right? Just, let's, I'm just going to look at it. And, and, and it's a conversation piece. I'm out. Yeah, I have, I have a 69 Mercury Cougar, um, you know, with this and that and uh, has, you know, eight cylinder. And you're, and you're saying all these things. But and, and there's nothing wrong with that. Right. If you want a car, you can have a car. Right. But the whole idea is you, you see what he's saying. So the, just so that they can feast their eyes on him. Now, that same uh, passage, uh, I, I said that out of the NIV, Ecclesiastes 5.11, but I love what the New Living Translation says. It says this, the more you have, the more people come to help you spend it. (laughs) Is that not true? (laughs) Right? The more you have, the more people come to spend it. All of a sudden, you got a crowd. All of a sudden, you have an extra set of friends, right? It says, so what good is wealth except perhaps to watch it slip through your fingers? To watch it slip through your fingers. Ecclesiastes 5.12, that was 5.11, says, The sleep of a laborer is sweet, whether they eat little or much. But as for the rich, their abundance prevents them no sleep. Do you know how important sleep is? I'm, I'm finding that out na- nowadays. 
Do you know how important it is to your mental, your physical, to the way that you think? It permits them no sleep. That means they're on the grind all the time. It's time to go to bed and you're slipping in one more email, searching for one more client. Simple life is always better to live. I'm, I, I told uh, someone I know the other day, I said, I, said, I think I'm gonna become a minimalist. And the, and the reason I said that is because I was sitting down in the place that I study at home and I'm sitting down working on the sermon and I opened a drawer to look for a pen because a thought came to me and I was like, I don't want to put it on my computer. I'm tired of computers, trying to look at this thing all the time. So let me just get a pen. And I went to go write down a note to myself and I looked in that drawer and I'm like, man, I think the only time I've opened that drawer in the last three years is to get a pen. But there's a bunch of stuff in there. So I'm like, maybe I just, you know, I, I think the simple life is just, you know, let me just clean this out and just maybe give whatever is in there away or throw away if I don't need it. Um, but just to something as simple as that made me just think about life, right, and what we're talking about. Now, Paul's not talking about those who just think it would be nice to have more money here, right? All of us have had those thoughts either when we were young or even now. You know, oh, it'd be nice not to worry about this. Oh, it'd be nice not to worry about that. It would be nice um, to know if I'm eating chicken parmesan or chicken noodles, right? Wh which one can I have today? He he's not talking about that. And the funny thing is, is I, I, mentioned, I say that word worry, um, but God tells us not to worry. He tells us not to worry, but yet we're worrying about how we're going to get this done or how we're going to get the next thing or how is this going to work out, this or that, whatever your situation is, right? But he says, do not worry. This book, if we follow it, would save us a lot of trouble. There is a lot in here. And just, you know, we just have to read it. We got to memorize it, right? I would say we have to internalize it. It, my fear is that many Christians simply aren't doing it. The Apostle Paul is painting a picture, and I just want to share uh, three major pit, uh, pitfalls in which this person is chasing money. He's desiring to be rich, and then he becomes entangled, as you see in the scripture, and then trapped. So first he writes that wealth tempts like a lure, right? He says that it leads to temptation. If you've ever been fishing and you put something on the lure on the hook, then what is the lure for? The lure is what gets the attention of the fish and causes it to chase it, right? And that's what's happening to us is that things are put in front of us and we begin to chase them. We begin to chase them. And it causes people to covet the wrong things, right? If we think about covet, what does it mean to covet? It means to want what others have, that's a trap within itself because not everything you see is what it is, what it seems to be. If you've ever wanted something so bad that someone else has, and if you've ever had throughout your life maybe a conversation with those people, uh, you may talk to someone who it, what you thought they had and what you thought you wanted, it's not so great if you really talk to them about what it takes to, to keep it. Secondly, he writes, individuals become entangled like animals dangled in a trap, right? Like a mouse trap, a bear trap. It says the desires here is that he's referring to the trap that they're probably, the thing he's referring to is probably more materialistic than anything, um, but there are also other traps, right? They're the traps of pride. 
There's the traps of ambition. There's the trap of sex. It can add to the problem. Remember the association I talked about just a few minutes ago and we talked about last week, that whole idea of an um, a, a image, right? Think about that. It's something that lures you. If you remember, um, you know, the same goes for the many things like in our, in our life. So you may say something to yourself like, well, I don't, you know, I don't watch pornography, but if the, every movie that you watch, every 10 minutes there's a sex scene, maybe that can be a trap too. Be careful with the subtle things. Say it. Be careful with the subtle things. Because sometimes things will sneak up on you. You don't realize until you get to the end of your life or you don't realize until it comes to a pivotal point in your life and you're thinking to yourself, oh, I've been chasing this for so long and my life is halfway gone. People around me are half not even around anymore. But I got what I was chasing. No friends, no family, but I got it. And third, the, the Apostle Paul says, trap people drown when chasing wealth and they fall into an ocean of complete destruction. So the desires he writes, he says, they're foolish. They're foolish because instead of bringing gain, remember last week we talked about verse six, instead of bringing gain, godliness with contentment brings gain, they only cause you harm. So we're doing things, right? And sometimes in our lives, we'll do things that cause more harm than they are good. Uh, I was doing a study on this uh, this week and uh, one word came up that I thought was so piercing and uh, interesting enough, Elder Zeke um, said it today. It's the word security. I realized as I was walking through this study that many of us are not chasing dollars, we're chasing security. We feel secure when we have money in the bank. We feel secure when our direct deposit hits our account every, every other Monday or once a month if you're retired. We feel secure. That, that makes us feel secure when we walk into a store and we can buy what we want or in the case of others, uh, you know, whatever you think that's going to keep you from not having what you want. So sometimes it's not even a need. It's just something I want. And if we're constantly chasing things and we're constantly looking at what it is it that I would like that I don't have? It's not a way to live. He says, be content. Right? If you think that something is going to keep you from all the wrong in your life, sometimes we're chasing that. Like, oh, all these problems I'm having, all these things going on, I'm going to get my mind off it and I'm just going to go down here and purchase this thing that... Well, I can't afford, but it's going to make me feel good for the moment, and I can get my mind off of things. That's not the way that God would have us operate. Hebrews 10.35, I love it. He says, don't throw away your confidence. Why? Because it will be richly rewarded. In other words, God is saying, your security is in me. What you're looking for is a secure life, a secure future, and that is found in God and not money. Uh, look at Proverbs uh, 3.26 with me. It's, it, this is out of the New Living Translation. It says, for the Lord is your security. 
he will keep your foot from being caught in a trap. Remember I said you got to know this word? Do you see that we can go through and you do a study and you'll find that word trap all throughout and they all coincide with one another in various forms. He will keep your foot from being caught in a trap. Now, the Apostle Paul, the writer of this book, he supported this warning with verse 10. So look at verse 10 with me. This is the verse 10 was directed at the Ephesian elders and they were because they were confirmed by what was happening in their lives. They, this is something that he had to confront them about. And it reads, the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. I think the A there means it's one of others, right? I think it's one of others, the A. I'll have to ask Pastor Sharon. That's our, or that's our English major. But I believe that's it, right? So now this verse gets people in trouble primarily because it's misquoted so much, right? So first, this verse does not condemn the person um, or the money itself. We established that. It doesn't condemn them at all. But it's the love of money. The love of money. Next, it does not state that all evil comes from the love of money, but is getting at the fact that the misplaced love and the misplaced affections that we put on it, right, causes a variety or all kinds of evil. So if you hear people saying that the love of money causes all sin, that's not true. That's not accurate. I mean, ambition can cause sin. Pride can cause sin. So it's not all sin that the love of money causes, but it is the root of all kinds of evil. And then last, uh, you have to remember that the elders for Ephesus, they had, they had sold out to greed. They were greedy people. They were living proof of what Paul was teaching about. The concern that Paul had about materialism that he, that he showed in verse 5 uh, had, a, had become a reality in these false teachers. So if we look at the chapter before, he's talking to them, not only he's talking to them about materialism, he's talking to them about controversy. So if you think about it, think about ways in which we see in the Bible in which uh, people were chasing money and found themselves in, in difficult circumstances. Think about Judas. Judas sold out Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And the funny thing about it is he, he didn't even get to enjoy it. How many of us are chasing things that ideally, when we're done chasing them, we're not going to get to enjoy? If you think about Ananias and Sapphira in the New Testament, right? They drowned because of the love of money. And we know this because it, we saw it. It destroys relationships. It causes rifts in marriage. I was looking at statistics. I don't remember the percentage, but it was over 50% of marriages end because of money. And that's not just in the world. That's also in the church. Maybe not the percentage, but it's also in the church. So this destroys relationships. It puts rifts in marriage. It sends ungrounded people into spirals. If you're not grounded in Jesus Christ, if you're not grounded in what he says, how you're supposed to handle money, how you're supposed to handle those cravings, that you get to go and buy something, then you can spiral. And all for what? For status? For things? With these words Paul spoke, he ends this part of the letter uh, to these false teachers and their practices. And he says, church, 
basically he's saying that I want you to focus on two things. There are two important issues in this verse. He called for a service among Christians and he warned all his readers and he warns us against a love of controversy and materialism. Controversy and materialism. Do you know that you can be materialistic even if you're not rich, even if you're not wealthy? This goes across all lines. So for those of you who may have checked out when you said, "Ah, that's not me, all of us. Materialism, what is material? It's a desire to possess things instead of a love for God who made those things. We want to possess the things. And God is saying, listen, I want to give to you freely. I give you all good things. Has anybody, there's probably not a person in this room that can sit here and say that God has not been good to you and has not given you the things that you need. Paul showed that materialism is foolish because it fails to prepare us for eternity. And it fails to give us what we're looking for, right? Just as Paul warned them, I want to caution us today to stay clear of the trap. It's all around us. It's very possible. God sometimes, you know, I wonder if he sometimes holds back because he's protecting you. You think, well, gosh, I'm only getting this far. And maybe God is saying, well, if I had you go at what you're looking at, if I had you go to what that family's doing or to that brother or to that sister, and I put you in that situation, I don't think you're ready. So perhaps sometimes God is protecting us. I have no doubt that he's protecting us all the time and in so many different ways. But we have to be able to be good stewards of those things. He warned them, and I want to warn us. I love Matthew 6.24. Look at it with me on the screen. Matthew 6.24, he says, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate one and love the other, or you will be destroyed, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You know why? Because God knew that you and I would cling to one and give all our attention to one and focus intently on one and forget about the other. He wants to be the one that we cling to to give all our attention to and to forget about the other. And I'll leave you with this story as the worship team comes. I have a friend, um, and I want to get the details right because I promised him that if I got permission to share the story that I get the details right. Uh, I have a friend whose father passed away about seven years ago. And all his life, he watched his dad build wealth. He was, he, was, he was good at building wealth, and he showed him everything. He said it was fascinating at first. His dad was so influential in the community and was well-respected. He said he would watch his dad jump on planes and be in one destination one day, home for a few hours, and then off to another destination. He was building wealth. He said that he had over 1,000 people reporting to him in his job of 30-plus years. There was not a person in his field who had never heard of him. He owned houses in four or five states, all of them paid for. 
He remembers getting brand new cars for graduation, paid for apartments for him and his close friend. Then one day, his dad died. He asked me to preach at his dad's funeral because he was from out of state and his church obviously, you know, could not come. His dad ended up leaving them everything. Him and his, two, his uh, three siblings, there were four of them, they were millionaires instantly. And he said these words to me. He said, Jason, and this is with no emotion, mind you, all I wanted was my dad. That's all I wanted. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, today for each and every person here. I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, that as we go about life, as we go about enjoying life, Lord, you want us to enjoy life. And you want us to have life and life more abundantly. You give us all good things to do that, Lord. You give us steady income, Lord, people around us and friends and family to enjoy. But God, those are the things that you give us to enjoy, but you did not want them to replace you. And so God, I pray for each and every one of us today that we would not get into the trap, that we would not get into the snare of chasing after money or chasing after the things that money can buy, but that we would be content. And that as we learn to be content, we'll be learning to be godly. And as we learn to be godly, we will be content as a result. And so, Father, as I think about this and I think about my friend, Lord, all he wanted was his dad. All he wanted was the person, not the things, not the money. Did he leave an inheritance for his kids and his children's children and his children's children, as the Bible says? Absolutely but he left them with that relationship, which is the most important thing. And we know, God, because you tell us that the most important thing is our relationship with you. So God, I pray, Father, for anybody in here who does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Lord, that they would come to know you today, that they would have salvation, that they would lean on you today, that they would say yes to you today, that they would declare you as Lord and Savior of their lives because you died and because you rose again, you will bring them into new life. We thank you, God. Help us to give our cravings to you. For we know that all things are possible through you and that whatever you want for our lives and whatever you know, will harm us. You know all things. You will work them together for the good and we will be content. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.